0: This Monday, January 29th. I'm Scott Seidenberg.
1: And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Super
0: Bowl is set.
1: And it doesn't include Dan Campbell. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. Give me
2: a number,
0: we are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The Baltimore Ravens fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes back in the Super Bowl. And the 49ers beat the Lions. That is the Vegas lead. Joining us to break down championship Sunday is. RJ Bell. Good morning, RJ. You
2: know, it's a big day. You know, it's a big day.
0: Well, we had to get you in for this because the Super Bowl is here in Las Vegas. It's now set. We're going to have a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago Chiefs and 49ers. But we have to break down what we saw yesterday because I don't think I've had a day with more Twitter interactions than yesterday.
2: So it was a lot of loving embraces?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> Let's start with the 49ers game against the Lions. Now, if you are unaware of what happened, the Lions blew a pretty big halftime lead. 17-point halftime lead. No big deal. Just It wasn't didn't... tied at halftime? No, it wasn't. They, <laughs> they, they only gave up
1: 27 unanswered points, so well, it wasn't like a big collapse. It's
0: not that big of a collapse. It's just the largest collapse in a championship game in NFL history. From a guy a that
2: up to this point had one comeback as a coach in the fourth quarter, yes,
0: but there was a couple of decisions by Dan Campbell who was like maybe doing his best Brandon Staley impression yesterday, but maybe that's unfair because I did call him Dan Staley on but, Twitter but, yesterday. But <laughs> let's just let's go over a couple of the decisions that Dan Campbell made yesterday.
2: He would kick Staley's ass. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah. breaking,
0: breaking kneecaps. So,
1: yeah, at the I, I, Des Bryant said. Someone should go uh, put a boot in Dan Campbell's ass, and it was like, I, I, I'd like to see you try, Des. Anybody? <laughs> that, that's not a guy I want
0: to fight. So let's take this one by one because in the first half, the Lions are controlling the game. I mean, they scored. They had, you know, like the, you script the first 15 plays of the game. In the first 15 plays, they had two touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> they needed they needed four to get the first one. Yeah. So the Lions are up 21 to seven, and they have the football and it's goal to go at the end of the first half. It's fourth and three. Well, fourth and goal at the three-yard line. That's the same, right? And Dan Campbell decides to kick a field goal with seven seconds left in the half to go into the half up 24-7. to seven. RJ, your opinion on the decision to take the points there rather than what Dan Campbell has shown to do all season which is be aggressive and go for it.
2: Okay, so obviously this is the less aggressive decision. So it's hard for people to complain about, hey, he's too aggressive there, not aggressive enough here. So let's give him credit. If the general complaint is he's too aggressive, this was more conservative. That said, here's why I agree with it. If you go for it fourth down deep in the other, you know, go go to go kind of situation, Mm -hmm. if you don't get it, they're now on the three-yard line, the two-yard line. Yeah, like one you, you yard pin line. the other team back. Yes. That ends up being worth like a point and a half. So if you look at the EPA, it's like, okay, your risk, it's not just saying, what well, was your 50% chance to get seven instead of three? It's that factor. But in a, at the very end of the half, there is no factor there. So it makes you being inclined to go for it in that spot, mathematically, a lot less appealing.
0: Well. They would have had to they, they got the they would have had to run a play with seven seconds. Yeah, but they would so, have been
2: able to knee if it's from the three yeah, knee. Well they, they would have, would have had, done exactly what they did. Well they would have
0: had to hand the football off. They can't knee it because he's kneeing it in his own yeah, end zone. Or, or, Let's say, have,
2: or it could have been a quarterback's knee. Could have been one. a
0: quarterback's knee, could've been anything, but there's always the potential of maybe a safety, a bad snap. We've seen bad snaps before from goal lines. So whatever. If you're looking at the uh fourth down decision bot from Ben Baldwin, it was eighty four percent win percentage to go for it, seventy-nine percent. To take the field goal,
2: okay. But then, if we're going to use Baldwin's bot, I'm guessing it's he's going to agree with almost every aggressive decision. Pretty much, yes. Yeah, so it yeah. becomes. Let's assume it's when there's a decision that that bot doesn't agree with, yeah. you know, it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I I felt that at that point, I wanted
0: Dan Campbell to be Dan Campbell aggressive, and the opportunity to go up twenty eight to seven, in my mind, was the bigger. Risk reward than just I, taking the three points there. I personally didn't hate it because it puts
1: you up three scores mm-hmm. and like you're up guaranteed three possessions. Mm-hmm. Plus, and it's
2: deflating. It's deflating for Detroit if they don't make that. Where with the field yeah. goal, they're still getting most of the. Yeah, yeah, we're ahead big. Let's face it, it, being down two possessions
1: isn't. It doesn't feel like a a, a mountain that can't be climbed. Uh huh. I'm glad he really feels that way.
0: I'm glad both Incorrect. of you are, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. both of you are saying this because. Later in the game, yeah. the Lions had an opportunity to extend their lead from 24-10. This is after the Niners scored a field goal on their opening drive. There's an opportunity to go 24, t- to make it 27-10. Mm-hmm. But he decides not to turn a two-possession game into a three-possession game. Yep. And he goes for it on fourth down. The ball bounces off of Josh Reynolds' hands. You, everyone's going to say, he should have caught it, he should have caught it.
2: Whatever.
0: He turned down an opportunity to turn a two-possession game into a three-possession game. And now What
2: yard line was this from exactly? It was
0: at the 28. 28-yard 28 yeah. line. And it was fourth and? Fourth and two. Fourth and two at the 28-yard line.
2: Usually, if you look at when field goals are kicked, in between the range of the field goal being 48 yards— And 30 yards, there's about an 18-yard cavern that there's a lot of field goals kicked. And here's why. If you make the first, you still are an underdog to score a touchdown. Assume you get three yards, right? So it's fourth and two. You get three. You're happy. You got your first. Right. But now you're on the 20, right? So if it's first and 10 on the 20, the odds are still pretty good that you don't get a touchdown. So when you go for it on the 5 when it's 4th and 2, let's say, in a normal time of the game, mm-hmm. you get the first there, even if it's just 3 yards. Now you've got, what, an 85% chance at a touchdown. So it's kind of weird. People go for it when the kick is over 50 because it's a tough field goal. Yeah. But once you get into that, it's not a short thing, but a good field goal kick, there's a lot of field goals kicked until you get inside the 15.
0: So in the last four seasons, Badgley, 18 of 21 from 40 to 49. In the last four seasons. That's a pretty good percentage. So to kick a 40, what would that have been, a 45-yarder? Yep. To go up three possessions? I would have done that. I agree. And I agree. he did not do that. And then, of course, later, it's tw- they're down 27-24. There's seven minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. It's fourth and three at the 30-yard line. It would have been a 47-yard field goal Same to range. tie the game. Same range. They go for it, and Goff throws it incomplete to Amon Ross St. Brown.
2: Now I heard you guys in pre-production talk about this, so I won't steal it, but I think how much time is left is key because, and I'll let you guys share, it, or I I can say it however you want. But to me, the key is if you make the field goal, is it most likely you get the ball back or not? Seven and a
0: half minutes left with three timeouts. Yeah. You you are are getting the the ball ball back. back. So I think you tie the game there. And I think nine out of 10 coaches decide to tie the game there because the worst case scenario is you're down a possession with the final possession of the game. I don't think the 49ers are running out the final seven minutes. Now, if it's the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe it's a different story because they've done that before, run out the final six minutes of the game. I don't think the 49ers are doing that. I think with three timeouts, the two-minute warning, you're getting the football back.
2: Odds are you're going to get it back in time where you're not going to be particularly hurried to score yourself.
0: Exactly. But by not getting the fourth down there, they're still down three. San Francisco goes right down the field, scores a touchdown. Now it's a 10-point game, two possessions.
1: And now that that last – when it was 34-24, to me, that's when the biggest mistake was made. And this one isn't so, as talked about yeah, as much.
2: Yeah, so back up just one second. I think what might be not discussed enough here, though, is if you make the first, it might take another two minutes, two and a half minutes to score – if you score a touchdown, great. But if you end up having to kick a field goal, now they got the ball with one possession probably left. For and they anyway. could run
0: the clock out and kick a game-winning field goal. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So you were right at the time that getting that field goal makes a lot of sense and puts pressure on, let's be honest, a guy that was drafted last now, you know, two years or a year and a half ago. No one is saying that.
0: That is an incredible point. No one has mentioned that. Everything that I saw on Twitter, people were talking about, you know, tie the game there or whatever or the time left. No one has mentioned that if they do get the first down there, there's no guarantee that they score with six and a half minutes left in the game. Right. Maybe they score with only four and a half minutes left in the or game. Or maybe
2: they get a field goal or, or
0: maybe, something. Or maybe they get a field goal with four. Like th- Then there's no guarantee that you're getting the football back. I think, well, there's never a guarantee yeah. in life. But I just think with seven and a half minutes – the odds of you getting the football back for one more possession are pretty high compared to what it could have been. I agree. So what's the mistake you're talking about on that final possession? So that final
1: possession, they start to drive. They've got three timeouts. They start to drive with just over three minutes to go. They get down to where it's goal to go, first and goal at the nine. You're talking about running the football? When they're third and goal at the one and they run the football, and they had to burn one of their timeouts. They had all three timeouts with one minute left. Mm-hmm. If you throw there and you you hold that timeout and you say, we're throwing on third, we're throwing on fourth, and I understand there's something to the, uh, the other team knowing that you're throwing that makes it more difficult. But if but they really knew, that run would have worked. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're but right. This, it, was, this is egregious. Yes. What it did was it forced them to burn that timeout, which meant that their only hope, even after they scored the touchdown, which they did on the next play, was, recover was an the onside downsides. kick and with it,
0: three timeouts even if you don't recover the onside you could still get the ball you back you can
1: still make a stop and i thought that was just an an egregious decision by Dan Campbell to try and run that ball there uh when i mean you had two chances to throw to the end zone and to to not do and it, listen i know you don't have a, a mobile quarterback and when you looked at these games this week it it seemed like every quarterback was was able to move around except for golf. but you, there's got to be some sort of uh of Play action if you if you want to try that, but to me it's just say hey we're throwing twice you you yeah, stop You, you us.
0: can't burn the timeout. You there. can't let it happen. Well,
2: really that was the situation in the Super Bowl Seattle and New England. Why when Belichick didn't call the timeout is the timeout situation on Seattle was such that they could they could only I think it was either they had to pass twice there or they could only ran once or whatever it was that was part of Belichick's calculation was does it force the other team in to become one-dimensional? Yeah. So I, I think it's complex stuff. Here, here would be my overarching take. People will say, I go by the math. Don't be results-oriented. Okay, so think about this. If you're playing blackjack and you know the deck, or let's say you're not even considering the deck, you can mathematically say, or craps is the best. What are the odds of a pass here? What are the odds of don't pass? What's the odds of making the point? Those are exact to the decimal point calculations if you have those let the math dictate no doubt but we don't have those ben baldwin's app says one thing espn says another other apps say the other it's funny you like you mentioned blackjack and knowing the deck that's a more
1: app comparison like the what you're saying is where where you can say that's math when you when you know the other when you know the deck there's more involved than just there's four four aces, four kings, etc. Mm-hmm. Like when you know the deck, you know what cards are out there. It's a different story. The math changes. a the Human factor. There, yes. There's a and that's what this is. There's variables. Rolling dice is just numbers. But the, the you know the players on the field, you know the weaknesses, you know the strengths. There is. A, a, it's not just math anymore.
2: And I think more importantly, in a one and you're done kind of game like the nfl is in the playoffs it's the pressure i mean think about that when you see commercial or these ad- not advertisements but you see these segments with a lady with an oxygen tank who's 93 talking about wanting mm-hmm. to have just one super bowl for in her life or whatever yeah or, or since she was a little girl and it's like if you're a player how much is that putting pressure on you when it's a three-point game. So uh, there's always pressure at this level, but I think for the Lions, there was extra pressure that Dan Campbell seemed to act like wasn't there.
0: I think Booger McFarlane on ESPN made a great point after the game, and and he's talking about it from a player's perspective. And he's talking about the the second, the one in the fourth quarter with seven and a half minutes left, not going to tie the game there, Mm -hmm. going for it. And what he mentioned was you had already failed on a fourth Mm -hmm. down which then led to a 49ers touchdown. The first play on the next drive, you fumbled it away. That then led to another 49ers touchdown. At this point, you held them to a field goal. You're down 27-24. You just allowed 17 unanswered points here. Stop the bleeding. Get three points on the board. Give your team a win. It's the same philosophy as, and this is my comparison, not Booger's. Booger was saying, give your players a win. Make them feel good after giving up 17 unanswered. My comparison is when you see teams kick a field goal when they're down 17-0 or 21-0 in the first half. And you're like, why are they kicking? They're down three touchdowns. Well, Sometimes you just need to see a number on that scoreboard. Sometimes the players need to know that after after driving down the field, they need to know that that drive was successful and ended in points so that they can play the rest of the game with some confidence. I think there, knowing that the game is tied, how fired up would that line sideline be? If the game was tied and they went out there on defense and forced the 49ers to punt the football away.
1: I, I, I mean, that's a great point. And, like, in, in college basketball, if you're a, a great three-point shooting team, you live on threes and you miss six in a row, don't take the seventh. Drive to the basket, get a layup, make the scoreboard move, yeah, Sometimes the ball, to the ball goes through, go through in. the net, yeah. and then you get that confidence going back for you. I think there is something to that. And I, I, I do – I mean, you could see – when Jameer Gibbs fumbled and – it went from "uh oh, the Niners are getting a little mo- mo- momentum mm-hmm. here" to "uh oh, the Lions may have just given away the game." That's when it, it's like too late now. Now it's too late to to start trying to put a Band-Aid on it.
2: And here's the question: How much is running Gibbs as much? Even though Montgomery was having the better day at that point statistically. If you look at, because I was looking to bet him over at halftime. I can't lie. That's <laughs> that was Is because I thought if the Lions keep the lead, well, you know, but. Going to Gibbs, who is obviously your less bruising back, mm-hmm. a back your speed back. I don't have your home run threat. Yeah, I don't have the exact fumble stats. I'd actually be interested who fumbled more. I'm guessing Gibbs fumbled more this year. Now you got to wonder how much of giving it to Gibbs was about them trying to validate their pick, because when they picked Gibbs 12th, it was like. No one thought he was going to be a first yeah. rounder. They both fumbled twice in the regular season. That's it. And okay, uh, so pretty low percentage. I mean, yeah, that's good. Else, and, yeah. G- and generally, though, the bigger guy fumbles less. So yeah. I mean, with you know, I don't know about Gibson, but but either way, it does feel like the lines have been contrarian, which has helped them in some ways. But man, there's some things about football you can't forget, and 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 the human element is one of them.
1: Would you agree when you say contrarian? Like sometimes that's going to lead to more um, randomness. Like so, if I said of the four teams that played yesterday, which one of these is least likely to be back in in the final four next year? It's got to be the Lions, right? Well,
2: which I think the better question is which one needs the best luck in order to win. I think that's a good. Just point. by definition, being a seven and a half point dog, and to me. Dan Campbell, when they were three and fourteen or whatever, he was right to go for it on fourth. He was right to try to have a high variance game. Mm-hmm. But when you are up seventeen at halftime, you are now the incumbent. You now are the one that wants to lower variance.
0: And when you have an opportunity to turn a fourteen-point game to a seventeen-point game, that
2: lowers variance. You
0: do
1: it. And if you are a team, it's just like if you are a team that chucks the ball around. If you are a team that throws for four hundred yards a game and you get up twenty-eight to nothing, if you can't figure out now's our time to run the ball. You're not a very smart coach. Are you
2: talking about Shanahan and the Atlanta Super Bowl?
1: (laughs) I'm not naming names, but I did uh, retweet a a Photoshopped picture of a lion wearing a Falcons
0: hat uh, (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) That's interesting. That was some embrace after the game too between Kyle Shanahan and Dan Campbell. It's kind of like he was like, I know how you feel, man. You know, it's like to sympathize with you. I'm happy I'm happy
2: you made the same mistakes <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now, I will say I I want to make sure we have ample time to talk about Lamar. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's
0: let's let's wrap up this game and cuz we didn't really talk about the 49ers, but from a 49 er perspective, Brock Purdy, you know, what what was your takeaway? Confident now? You know, Purdy got the uh, win, come from behind fashion. Uh-huh. I know there was a little luck involved with the pass down the field. Everyone's saying it should have been intercepted. It went off the defender's face. What people aren't re- remembering was there was a flag thrown on that play. If Ayuk doesn't catch that ball, I guarantee you those yeah. refs are, are not picking up that flag and they're saying it was pass interference. Yeah, I, so I tend to agree. Go.
2: So I would say this. If the MVP voting were later, a week or two later, I think that Purdy did better than Lamar. But I, but I still think Purdy... Was a problem. I think when they were down, he looked rattled. But he ran the ball. He used I, his legs, which was really impressive. I, I like that. I mean, he's more athletic than people yeah. think. But he still was rattled, which now it's two games in a row he looked rattled. Mm-hmm. You've got to wonder, Super Bowl, that's when people say they don't remember the first quarter. Like, literally, after the game, they can't remember. They were so stressed out. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, th- I think that seeing him run was, I think, a real positive turn b- for him because— When he was panicked, in previous games, maybe last week, he threw the ball, ill-advised, but it looked like when he was panicked here, he relied on his athleticism, ducked his head and ran, and it worked out. And I think maybe that was something that the coaches talked to him about during the week. I'll say, say, hey, if you feel the pressure, just
1: run. I'll say this. You can tell that Debo Samuel makes him so much more comfortable out there. Like, Debo being on that field makes Brock Purdy more confident. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just... It, 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 Debo playing yesterday, I think, was the the biggest factor overall. I, I, they don't win this game without Debo Samuel. The way things went,
0: you know what I was really surprised by is that George Kittle was just not involved at all. Nope. offensively, Kyle Eusechek was involved a lot offensively catching the football, but um, Kittle, I mean, non-existent. I
2: don't know. Well, I I think if Detroit doesn't make those mistakes, I mean. I don't know – how the turnover battle decide? Because every playoff game so far has been decided by the turnover battle, right? So uh,
0: Purdy, I think, became the first quarterback to, to throw, throw an any, interception any and it. win.
2: But 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 with Detroit losing the fumble, it was mm-hmm. 1-1. 1-1. So if Detroit – I mean, here's the thing. If Detroit doesn't fumble, they win probably. Yes. So They it get does, one
0: of those first downs. It does probably, feel
2: like yeah. they made it where Purdy wasn't having to come back. I mean, they were down 17 and he kicks a field goal. Okay, that's fine. But man, it feels like Detroit. They go down and get a field goal, even instead of fumble, they probably win. So it feels like Purdy give him credit, but it does feel like it was made easier for him when he was down that much. That it was easier to come back than maybe it should have been. Yeah, and then what's something that uh, Greg
0: Olson, which is going to be, it was his final game as uh, Burkhardt's partner. Um, Really? Well, because that's Tom Brady's job next year
2: Well, but what's the odds of Brady actually doing that? I think they're 50-50 Supposedly
0: that's Brady's job next year As the lead analyst, right? But also made a great point about the 49ers And and about McCaffrey Because McCaffrey was they They kept handing the ball off And he wasn't doing much And they were like, but McCaffrey's that guy that He's going to break like a 20-something yarder, and the 49ers are a team that doesn't abandon the mm-hmm, run. Mm-hmm. So they're down three scores, and they're still handing the ball off.
2: Which I then, like. And then you know what? Boom, he breaks, he breaks a 25-yarder. Yep. You know, like that's just. But he got dumped on his head. If you saw that play, he yeah. got dumped on his head yep. bad. He looked dazed on the sideline. And they were
0: like, like I think he hurt his neck, too. I mean, to I him.
2: bet I bet he, you know, we should probably talk the opening line here.
0: Yeah, the 49ers actually opened at two-and-a-half-point favorites. It's now down to one. So money, all the money's come in on the Kansas City Chiefs. And
2: I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the favorite. I was going to say that.
0: I think the Chiefs by, close, by game, close yeah. at minus one. Man, I'd be yeah. shocked. But I mean, but maybe, maybe you're right. I,
2: 40, I, just, I mean, 49ers haven't looked good since when. Yeah. I mean, in Kansas let's be honest. What we said all year about Kansas City is if it's, if this defense holds up mm-hmm. and the offense gets back to normal, they won't only be a Super Bowl contender, they'll be the best team in the NFL. Isn't that what we've seen now? For multiple weeks, the defense is pretty much what they've been. One of the top, what, seven, six, seven defenses? Yep. The top two. I think them and the Ravens are one and two. And offensively the Browns were right, right, yeah. So top five, offensively, they were excellent. I mean, is I mean, against Buffalo, they scored as much as I mean, listen, most people would say Buffalo and Baltimore were Except for San Francisco. Those are the top three teams other than Kansas City. When you beat both on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be candid. Both games were pretty much in control. I mean, they could have lost. But the Baltimore game, it was hard to imagine I, how they lose that game. I never felt yesterday the Chiefs were losing that game.
0: 17-10, the Chiefs beat the Ravens. The game goes under, the second half goes
2: way under. <laughs>
0: remember
2: what we said, Lamar and Harbaugh under by 10 points a game in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this one's even and, worse. And
0: this was bad Lamar Jackson. I, I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not was, gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat. sugarcoat it at all. Like the throw that he the interception throwing into triple coverage to Isaiah likely had to have been the most boneheaded throw I think I've ever seen a, a, a player make in the playoffs. This isn't
1: Joe Montana. Well, since
0: Lamar's
2: last throw like yeah.
1: or, 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 like, this isn't, like, trying to get tr- to Randy Moss or T.O. in triple coverage. This is your backup tight end that you're throwing into triple coverage to try to get your backup tight end. It, it made no sense whatsoever. And, honestly, that whole drive as they were driving down the field, that was the only time in the game where I was like – the Ravens are going to win this. The Ravens are going to. They figured it out. They're going to win this game because the Chiefs' offense was shut down at halftime. Mm-hmm. And when he made that decision, well, I said,
2: "Remember, now they had a couple, like at least one in the third quarter, six-minute drives." Even if you don't get points, when you're up big, you hold the ball for six minutes, That's true. it's me. I mean, at least it gives give yeah, them it was, less but it was, chance.
1: But you know what? That that wasn't the offense. That was penalties. That was self-inflicted dummy Ravens penalties. Well, Personal Ravens, fouls. Because the Ravens
2: were intimidated. I mean, you are a UFC expert. You've professionally fought. You know when someone's scared, what do they do? They try to act more chasty. Mm. Right? They try to, I think Baltimore felt like they were outclassed by, let's be honest, a team with a lot more success than them. And they figured, let's show them we're not scared. Well, it it backfired.
1: Well, it certainly was. It was easy to tell who'd been there and done it and who hadn't. Yeah. And the Chiefs were way more comfortable. And obviously, Lamar. I mean, that, like you said, that that decision was just horrendous, inexcusable, and. I mean, that was the game because yeah. up until that point, it was like oh my, that was the first time in the whole game where I was like the Ravens figured it out. Well,
0: I thought, and then you gave it away. I thought they were going to I didn't think they were going to win, but I was telling everybody I was watching the game with. I was like, Ravens are going to score here. It's going to add some oh, drama to the end of the, the game. Yeah, OK, well, it would have been 1714. So the Ravens still would have been down. But I'm like, then it's going to be one of those classic Mahomes. Eight nine minute drives to, you know, to ice the game, or actually it would have been less than that. There was like three minutes left or three and a half minutes left. So I thought it would be like Mahomes would just ice the game well, you know, after and win 17-14. But the 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 possession before that, when Zay Flowers fumbles out of the end zone, is this the final straw? In the NFL, changing the rule of this offseason. Well, remember that that wasn't that, that didn't go out of the end zone. They recovered it in the end zone. You're right. Yeah. So okay. that I mean, that I was guess the you're right
1: back yes. either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But that's another example yeah. of you. I mean, if he doesn't stretch that ball out like that, he's first and goal at the one. Yeah. Like yeah. you're. And then you're Lamar taking, scores it's with with Buffalo,
2: obviously being an example of the same. Yeah. The same yeah. Line.
1: It doesn't make any sense to well, be that careless with the ball there.
2: Everyone that listens knows I'm a Belichick guy. He has a rule. If you stretch the ball at the end zone, you sit the rest of the game. It's not an option. Like, And to me, because all that can happen, I guess in theory, unless it's fourth down, right? Yeah, yeah. All that can happen is you're saying, I'm valuing wanting to score that touchdown mm-hmm. more. I'm risking the ball just so I can score instead of us having first and goal on the one. That's just a selfish play. Now, I'm not saying everyone who does it thinks that way, but it when you really – do the math on it; it is a selfish and play. And remember,
0: two plays before, Flowers got the penalty for pushing the, the the defender down and taunting him, standing over him, rolling the ball it, the in big, his face. The biggest play the Ravens made the whole day. Yes, got 15 yards chopped right off of it. They they were so
1: dumb in that game yesterday. Like it was, it almost felt like a team that I mean, and I I don't think of Harbaugh's teams as like undisciplined, well, but they, they were, were undisciplined. They were uh, undisciplined. So.
2: I think there's two big storylines in this game, and one of them is Baltimore and Lamar's futility in the playoffs. So what I did was I said, all right, let's look from 2015 on. Let's look at the playoff records. I tweeted this out at RJ in Vegas. The Chiefs have 15 wins, six losses during this time. The next best is the Patriots with nine. Think about that. The 49ers with seven. Now they have eight. The Rams, seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, till the very, not the very bottom, but near the bottom, the Ravens, two wins and five losses. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's only one other team, two wins, five losses, the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. (laughs) So I wonder if the narrative is going to be any different about (laughs) this.
1: I think it's so ironic that this is what the Ravens' problem is now because for so long— they had a quarterback who seemingly showed up and did well in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and people would basically take a dump on for what he did in the regular season. Joe Flacco's not elite, but when playoffs came around, you didn't want to see Joe Flacco. Now you've got this guy who's a stat monster and mm-hmm. about to be a two-time is MVP. He, is he a
2: stat monster, or is it that we're looking at the running yards and saying, oh, oh those are yes. overly we're valuing yes.
1: it so yes. much.
0: Although listen, There were a lot of quarterbacks that had much better passing years than yeah. And and a lot that had more than half probably, yeah.
1: and a lot that had very good running years on top mm-hmm. of it. Like and but listen, if if the Bills if the Bills would have had Baltimore's team success, I, I Josh, think Josh, Josh Allen yeah. Yeah, of might be the. But I think they it's real easy for these riders to say, okay, he's the quarterback on the best team, he's got good stats, mm-hmm. that's the MVP.
2: Well, that's just not but, how they've done it historically, though. It's like every year except one. The EPA leader has been the MVP. Yeah. And Lamar was like eighth or ninth in EPA. You know, so yeah. listen, I don't know if you guys are uncomfortable saying it. There is a bias towards Lamar. There's favoritism towards Lamar, unlike any NFL player I've seen. I don't know who else it would be. Like, who who, who, is, who else is favored? Or even if you don't want to say Lamar gets favoritism, who, who do you think does?
1: I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes gets his share of, of calls.
2: Well, that's another question. Calls regarding the rats. Oh, you
1: mean it's it's by the Famotism media, not
2: by the media. Like, like, where they try to explain away any anything he does well? Mm. They act like it's the best thing they've ever seen. And if he does it poorly, there's a reason. Ooh, I don't think there's anyone even competitive.
1: I don't know that there is either. And my- especially no one who's got the two and five. Nobody's nobody's going to bat for Dak Prescott the way they do for Lamar Jackson. I can tell you that. No, they're talking about his interceptions. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and and I got to say this is. The idea that he is underperforming again and again and again in the playoffs, and we're acting like no one wants to say, like, there's a problem here. Like, what what's the cause? I don't know. I think it's, hey, you got to pass at some point in the playoffs. This year, supposedly, he was passing batters. This year, yeah.
0: he passed too much. He passed too much. It, like, yesterday, the, you, the Chiefs. The Chiefs—let me, let me just give this out. Remember, this the Chiefs, they
2: force you to. The Chiefs
0: came into this game. 28th in the NFL in EPA per play against the run. Gus Edwards had three carries. Justice Hill had three carries. That's it. Lamar did his his running, but your two running backs had a combined six carries. And don't tell me game script. You lost by one possession. Yeah. And Lamar went under his rushing yard. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Eight for mm-hmm. 54. Mm-hmm. He had one run. This was so weird. That one run that he had, the 21-yarder. Now, as someone who had Lamar over, <laughs> I was a little uh, disturbed by this, or perturbed is maybe the better word. He stopped. He could have ran for at least 10 more yards if he keeps running full speed and maybe is one stiff arm away from getting past the defender entirely.
2: So was this just to protect himself? He,
0: he like, slowed down and did one of those, like, stutter and tried to, like, juke around the defender mm-hmm. when he could have just kept running full
2: speed. Well, I don't think we can question Lamar's ability to decide it was how to all, run. was everyone on
0: Twitter is like, why did he stop? Why didn't he keep running? Like, it was very I'd weird. i like to see those
2: people running. <laughs> but yeah. it
0: was very weird <laughs> at the time to think, why didn't he just keep running straight?
2: All right, I think there's one more topic I've got to get to. My prediction about the referees. Now, I did a poll on Twitter, and I'll ask you guys what the answer is. Do you think the referees in this game called it down the middle? Baltimore benefited from the calls. Kansas City benefited from the calls. Three choices.
1: I thought Kansas City benefited from, benefited from the calls, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it was egregious enough to to warrant complaining about if you were a Ravens
0: fan. Yeah, I thought that the calls on Kansas City against against Baltimore for Kansas City, I thought they were – I thought they were legit. Like when Mahomes got punched in the in the face.
2: That was a legit call. (laughs) That was a legit call. Like But I, I tell you this, if you listen to the announcers, Romo, they were talking about the ref's call more than I've ever heard them in the second half going, well, you know, that one Maybe let's bring in a scatter whoever the, the referee. And they're like, well, you know, this was a close one. But, you know, I mean, they were double. T- it's almost like the You're NFL right. they say- talked
1: about it a lot more it, than
2: it's almost like the NFL said, guys, defend these calls, however yeah. they go. Because, I mean, w- you watch a lot of games. Yeah. How often they, they
1: go to that ref, like maybe two or three times a game tops.
2: And they were talking about the calls even without going to the ref. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. Starethor got a lot, of, got a lot of time. In hindsight, <laughs> yeah, there, man, they went a lot to him. Now that I think about, I didn't. Oh, I don't anymore. know, Jim.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. But the, the only, the only time, like when the uh, when Van Noy got called for 15 yards for like uh, putting his face mask up against Kelsey's, and they were like, oh, well, he headbutted him there, <laughs> and I was like,
2: is that it, a headbutt? It was like, like it was like Bobby the Brain Heenan backing up a heel or something. Yeah. The way he was announcing, and then the. But the one
1: time they said that's a missed call was on the the pass interfe- the pass no call pass interference to likely, where uh, they were like, you got to throw a flag there. And mm-hmm. they like, so he hooked him and spun. So that him. was
2: another example, right?
1: Yeah, but that was the only time where the announced team like made it seem like they actually missed a so call. So imagine
2: how many there was that they took that. I mean, real quick, here was the conclusion on the Twitter 5,000 votes or so, and it's still up there to vote at RJ in Vegas. Called it down the middle 42%. Okay. Baltimore benefited. 4%, KC benefited 54%. Okay. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, call down the middle, you just eliminate those. Like 12 times as many people, if they thought someone benefited, thought it was Kansas City. You thought Kansas City benefited? You know something? I was listening to a lot of the game in the other room, and all I heard was, you know, that's another <laughs> penalty against Baltimore. Yeah. But, but I mean, what's the stat
0: say? I mean, what was eight, for th- eight for 95 yards. And how much Kansas City? Three for 30 yards.
2: Okay. Okay. I'm just saying it feels like the refs. I, let's just be candid. If you had to guess, if you didn't know anything about it and said, hey, uh, which team do you think the NFL wants to win? It's so I, a, I,
0: I, I tweeted a out a poll and I said, which conspiracy theory wins out? <laughs> is it the conspiracy theory of the Super Bowl logo uh-huh. meaning that it's already scripted and there was that news station that that put and it, it on and the bottom it said who would be in it yeah and, and it, who did they predict the because ravens and 49ers ah. cuz the logo is purple purple and red mm-hmm. and then like remember there was that news station last week that said Usher to perform or or uh whoever singing the national anthem to perform at the 49ers ravens Super Bowl <laughs> like, oh, like there was like a lot of people were, like the script is out it's fixed like it's going to be the ravens or does the NFL want more Taylor Swift? 73.5% said the NFL wants more Taylor Swift. I
1: mean, dude, when you're watching the the AFC trophy presentation and they've got like Travis Kelsey's given a speech and they've got the camera fixed on Taylor Swift instead of Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. that lets you know everything you need to know. It's called
2: a reaction shot.
1: Uh, yeah, but it's the only shot.
2: <laughs> I, I mean personally, I'd rather be looking at Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm just saying. So here's it. I don't want, I don't want to spoil all my good analysis. So if you guys got a, f- a final thought for me I, I'm here and if not check out the dream preview that's that's the, part, the the part I like best. this is my second favorite but
1: yeah well we appreciate you taking the time to come in this morning and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to hearing your good stuff on the dream preview No
2: I held nothing back. okay all right. <laughs> I, held, all right. I mean I, I told you about my polls I told you about my original rec- did you know Baltimore had two wins since 2015? I
0: did I did not know that Well now we have two weeks to break down the Super Bowl. And all the props and all the fun stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And,
2: Scott, I don't want you to feel bad, but there's, you know there's one team that has zero playoff appearances in this era? Yeah, the Jets. The Jets. Yeah.
1: Oh, Aaron Rodgers might be the guy who people make excuses for. You know, there's green in next year's Super
0: Bowl logo.
2: These are the, <laughs> these are the only teams with less wins during this era. Arizona, Giants, Colts, Chargers, Browns, Dolphins, Washington, Raiders. Bears, Jets, so there's like ten teams with less. Literally, the Ravens, who here's my question: They're there every year and still not winning. They're not there. It feels like it because all the jibber jabber. Let me ask you this question: (laughs) Will it be with the media tomorrow that Lamar somehow got um, disappointed by his supporting cast, or was it he actually played good? You just don't understand Uh, it. There's no way. Which one do you think it will be? Because it won't be he played bad. He, He did play bad. I know, but it won't be that. I mean, have you guys heard the aftermath of the game? I mean, on well, yeah,
0: his- I mean, there was somebody that, there was one reporter that asked him, like, did he try to do too much? And he, like, defended himself and was like, no, like, you know, wasn't trying to do
2: See, too much. B- b- which implies that it was the lacking of others that made you try to do too I mean, just listen up and tell me on when we tape in a couple of days, and it'll be out Thursday morning, the dream preview. Tell me if you think how, people how, he's are, treated. Are how he's being treated. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. All right.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality For the second time in three games, the Detroit Pistons have won a basketball game, beating the Thunder 120 to 104 yesterday. AJ,
1: they've got it all figured out. This is where things turn. Think, what? A, I mean, not all is gloomy and sad in Detroit. All right, the Michigan's won a national championship. I mean, you know that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now the Pistons have won two out of three. So if you're sad about the Lions. Get over it. You think Things are things are
0: going great in Michigan these days. Yeah, be happy about the, the Pistons' success. That's right. Uh, elsewhere, I bet the Tigers kill it this season. <laughs> elsewhere, the Pacers, a 116-110 win over the Grizzlies. The Hawks beat the Raptors, 126-125. Magic topped the Suns, 113-98. Devin Booker, 44 points in the loss. And the Bulls, a 104-96 win Over the Blazers, taking a look at your schedule for tonight. The Knicks are at the Hornets. New York is a seven and a half point favorite. They'll be playing this game without Julius Randle, though, who suffered a dislocated shoulder in the game against the Miami Heat. So is seven and a half too much for the Knicks without Randle to lay on the road? If Debo can play,
1: Julius Randle can play. Get your ass out there, Julius. Julius is not playing tonight. Uh, What a coward. What a coward. (laughs) Could have been a hero. He is not playing. I don't have a good feel for what this team will look like with that. I'm certainly not in the mood where I'm like, I'm just going to fade the Knicks. The Knicks have things going right now. And Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's not as, uh, as flashy as they probably hoped it would be when they were when they were hoping to have Donovan Mitchell. Um, But the trade that they've made has really turned this into a pretty complete team. So things are looking up right now for the Knicks. I'm I'm not looking to get in front of it.
0: Six straight wins, eight of their last ten. The Cavs, who are rolling, winners of nine of their last ten. They are one-and-a-half point home dogs against the Clippers tonight. That is... Uh, a
1: surprising number i guess the, i guess the clippers though we i mean we talked about the the game that they had against the celtics where they just kind of came out of nowhere and dominated uh boston and it maybe so maybe the clippers are doing something that i wasn't seeing not a team i was certainly looking to uh to to back by any mm-hmm. stretch but maybe the clippers are better than i thought they were maybe they're finding a groove and Cleveland has been an, a roller coaster for me. Cleveland was a team I was high on coming into the season, and they have not rewarded my uh, my hope as much as I thought they would.
0: Playing good lately, winners of nine of ten, the Clippers have won five straight. They've won eight of their last ten. Sounds like a good game. The Celtics, after winning twenty straight home games to start the season, have lost back to back home games. They will look to snap out of that funk as they host the Pelicans tonight. Boston, eight-and-a-half-point home favorites. I kind of want to back the Pelicans
1: here. Eight-and-a-half uh, for a team that's that's showing some vulnerability. And, you know, the Pelicans can put up some points here. So uh, kind of with the shift that Boston made over the offseason, like getting rid of their their big men down low, uh th- this is a, maybe a game that zion can can feast a little bit in
0: mm-hmm. no pun intended of course with Zion. <laughs> the jazz are at the nets brooklyn one and a half point favorite Suns visit the heat miami laying three and a half at home the lakers are at the rockets and houston is a one and a half point favorite in this one anthony davis who uh left the game their last game with the groin injury, so I doubt we see him tonight and probably not going to see LeBron either based on this spread. Yeah, uh, or it could just be that, I mean,
1: the Rockets have been pretty solid at home and the Lakers have been garbage on the road, and maybe that's that's baked into this as well. But, yeah, I, it doesn't sound like there's a, a full complement of players for the Lakers. Either way, I'm not interested in backing them on the road.
0: The Kings, eight-and-a-half-point road favorites in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Timberwolves visit the Thunder, OKC laying two-and-a-half. Wizards at the Spurs, San Antonio, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Magic visit the Mavs, Dallas, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Nuggets laying four-and-a-half at home against the Bucks. What do you like in this matchup of potential title favorites?
1: I, I tend to like the home team here. Four-and-a-half is a, a pretty big number, but, yeah, I, I think the Nuggets, uh, especially, you know, there's, there's still some some changes happening in Milwaukee, getting mm-hmm. getting used to some new things, the way new things are being run. Nuggets have that continuity, and they've been very, very tough to beat at home.
0: Yep, Doc Rivers uh, will make his coaching debut tonight for Milwaukee. And the 76ers are at the Blazers Philly, laying eight and a half. Five teams in the top 25 in action yesterday, and
1: only one upset Memphis falls to UAB, 97-88 on the road. Memphis now 4-3 and three in the American Conference, 15-5 uh, overall. Uh, so number 19 Memphis going through a, a rough patch right now. Penny's boys are. Purdue, number two team in the country. They get a road win in the Big Ten. Those are hard to find. 68-60 win at Rutgers. And Zach Eady joined the 2,000-point, 1,000-rebound club uh, is a pretty it's pretty rarefied air in the Big Ten Florida Atlantic number 22 in the country they got a 66-63 win at home against a feisty North Texas team and New Mexico continues to just dominate in Albuquerque 89-55 win for New Mexico over Nevada they move to 6-2 and two in the Mountain West 18-3 Overall. And UConn, the number one team in the country, also in action. They got a 99 56 win. Not much of a game, but took it to Xavier Tristan Newton, 22 points. UConn wins their eighth straight. Only two top 25 teams in action on Monday night. Number 12, Duke, is on the road. They are a three and a half point favorite at Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies have been solid and Duke listen I was Griffin and I did this on our podcast uh, that we did last night and this was one of the games we talked about and when you really dig into Duke's schedule they're not they're not as tested as you'd like to see uh, a neutral win at Michigan State or against Michigan State early this season and then a quote-unquote neutral win against Baylor which was in Madison Square Garden which is nothing nothing close to neutral uh, for Duke but other than that they've they've really had kind of a, an easy path in the ACC so far they their best win was a one-point win at uh, at home against Clemson on Saturday. so I'm not sure this Duke team should be laying more than a possession on the road. And the number four Houston Cougars, 18 and two overall, they go down to Austin, Texas to take on the Longhorns, Texas sitting at 14 and six. Houston, a four and a half point road favorite. <music>
0: There were just two hockey games yesterday in the NHL. The Blues, a 4-3 overtime win over the Kings. And the Kraken, a 4-2 win over the Blue Jackets. Uh, just one game on the schedule for uh, tonight as the NHL approaches the All-Star break. So a lot of teams are already on the All-Star break. There's one game tonight. There's two games uh, tomorrow night, and then on Wednesday, there's three games, and then uh, All Star Weekend is this coming weekend. So I will actually put some stuff on the pregame forums, and I'll give out some stuff here on Straight Out of Vegas AM in terms of the skills competition coming your way on Saturday night. Last year, if you remember, we cashed with the Elias Pederson uh, hardest shot in the uh, in the skills competition. So that was a fun little cash. Uh, but we will uh, do that later on this week. So just it will be a light schedule this week. Just one game tonight. The Predators are at the Senators. Ottawa minus 115. Some news around the league. As the Rangers have announced that Philip Ketel, a very talented um, player, young player for them, had another setback in his comeback from injury. And he is going to miss the remainder of the season. Oof. All that the Rangers have said is that it's an upper body injury? Now you know NHL is weird. You know, weird like that. You don't have to clarify. It's like, lower body or upper body, yeah, right? So they've just been calling it an upper body injury. Um, I'm not going to say the concussion word. Don't you ever see um, Blue Mountain State? Yeah, yeah. Don't say the C word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Thad, you have a concussion. Um, but yeah, they said um, the the quote from the Rangers following. A thorough evaluation of Philip Kiedel after his recent setback from an upper body injury. It has been confirmed that he will be out the remainder of the season. The organization's top priority throughout this process has been Philip's health. and We will continue to fully support him in his recovery with an aim to return for the 2024-25 season. So um, it's tough. Uh, A 24-year-old was playing good hockey. Uh, but he is now done for the season. has been out for a while, but not coming back at all. Speaking of being out for a while, Blue Jackets center Patrick Laine has entered the NHL's player assistant program. assistance program. He is taking time away from the game. They call it an undisclosed issue, but it is... Uh, Who knows, I mean, mental health, whatever it is Upper um, body (laughs) He he posted on social media, quote After careful consideration and discussion with my support network and the team I have recognized the importance of prioritizing my mental health and well-being Hockey has been my passion and my life But I have come to realize that in order to perform at my best I need to take this time to focus on myself, end quote So
1: good for him we're seeing more and more guys do that uh Mm -hmm. like in fact uh was it austin meadows like played a couple games to start the baseball season and was like i need a mental health break never saw him for the rest of the season like it's it's uh it's it's wild, man. it. You never know what you, what guys are going through, and it's not as simple as just upper body and lower body injury. Sometimes these guys, uh, and it's hard to put a timeline on it either, which is probably frustrating for the team. But uh, the good news is, seems like teams are willing to work with these yeah, guys. Yeah,
0: and Lonnie's really good. He's twenty five years old. He's been working his way back from injury. He hasn't really played a lot this year, as he's dealt with uh, injuries this season. Had a, um, a fractured clavicle. That he suffered a couple, uh, That's about a month body. or so. Yeah, that is upper body. But um, a re- really, really good young um, player in the league, and the Jackets hope to get him back uh, when he's ready. Still time to save some money at pregame.com. If you head to the website, you can take $20 off any purchase using the promo code SAUSAGE20. Sausage, as they say in Chicago. sausage twenty. Gets you $20 off your purchase at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and RJ Bell, I'm Scott Saddenberg. We are straight out of AJ's AM.